Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com MMA podcast, December 21st edition. This episode is brought to you by Skills, the worldwide leader in mobile esports. Play the games you love, win real cash prizes. Go to skills.com slash fight on your iOS or Android device. That's Skills with a Z. Download your favorite free games. When you make a deposit, Skills will double it. Then when you use the promo code FIGHT, Fightful.com throws in an extra 10 bucks. Hot damn Merry Christmas skills.com slash fight i am joined by showdown joe a member of the fightful.com pro series which you can get by registering for free at fightful.com you can get access to our forums uh, articles by ec3 diana perrazzo jason kincaid podcasts from joe shane helms matt riddle early access to that stuff my friends joe how are you doing good man how you doing I am splendid. I've been arguing with a sweater company about them not sending my damn item. Is it a gift and it's in time for Christmas? or It's a gift for me. (laughs) (laughs) I got one gift that I ordered December 1st uh, for the missus, and I'm like, oh, it's supposed to be here December 21st. Well, today is December 21st, and I checked uh, Amazon, and I'm like, "Uh, what's going on here, guys? This thing's not coming? Like, I ordered it three, four weeks ago. Come on. I'll let the cat out of the bag. I've been teasing teasing it on the show. My wife ordered me a crying Jordan sweatshirt. Have you seen those memes? Yes, I have. Of course. So she got me a crying Jordan sweater for Christmas. (laughs) November 29th, she ordered it from a place called Holiday Fury. If you've got Facebook, you've probably seen all their sweaters and all that stuff. As it turns out, they're not sweaters. They're actually dry fit material, if they ever actually send it to you. So three and a half weeks, and apparently it hasn't shipped yet. So we are filing a dispute with our comp- with our credit card company because they claim they can't process a return. Bunch of scrubs. Go harass them on Facebook, you guys. They're not good businessmen like those good folks over at Skills or on it. So go click that on it link, my friends. Use the supplements used by Bailey, Triple H, Cesaro, Donald Cerrone, CM Punk, the man who has never been knocked out in his UFC career. Well, there's somebody who has been knocked out in his UFC career, Joe. 
His name is Jose Aldo. And I think it messed him up for life. What's up with this guy? I mean, I, I said it from day one. By the way, uh, uh, every time we do the podcast, it's a reminder that hey. I need to take my audit. I keep forgetting. I've got it in my desk here uh, as I work in my home office, but I keep forget- I'm going to set a reminder for myself to take it. I keep forgetting, but uh, when I'm done speaking here and uh, you can reply, I'll, I'll, I'll take my, uh, my two alpha brain. Uh, oh, yeah. There you go. Jose Aldo, listen, man. Uh, he's a special guy. Always had, you know, it doesn't matter what he says or what he does. I'm no longer surprised. It's, 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 I'm not, it's not like he's an odd duck. Sometimes I think it's calculated in what he does, but it's in a different frequency, like you know, like a few others in the world of mixed martial arts. But uh, I don't know if that knockout. I'm sure he's been uh, he's been hurt before in training because those guys don't mess around on Novi Nyao. So, but yeah, Jose Aldo's a an interesting guy, but nothing really surprises with me anymore. He said some interesting things to MMA Fighting's Ariel Hawani yesterday. Claims that Max Holloway turned down a fight at UFC 208 after Holloway called him out. Now, Holloway's hurt. Understandable. He it kind of puts a damper on that whole where's Jose Waldo thing, though, when you challenge a guy to a fight on a certain date and then you can't do it. Now, uh, understandably, he, he's hurt. You can't do a whole lot about that. Jose Aldo, however, is claiming that he's going to fight for an interim lightweight title in March. What the hell, Joe? I I, I don't know. Is he stirring the boat here? I mean, an interim title fight. I mean, um, we can make that. We can go back and talk about Conor McGregor winning the 145-pound title and never defending it. uh, And the UFC making the call. You know what, dude? We got to – this belt has to have – some sort of champion and someone defending it. And if it's not going to be you, then it's got to be someone else. Cause now you're taking more time off, but an interim title fight at 155 for Jose Aldo. I, I think he's rocking the boat to be honest with you. He alluded to the idea that he said it without saying it. He's trying to make it sound like Khabib Nurmagomedov turned down a fight with him because okay. he said he wouldn't name, said he wouldn't name who it was, but their father didn't think he was any good. That's uh, like okay. We know the the light, the top lightweight who would be competing for an interim title, whose father is often involved in these stories. It's Khabib Nurmagomedov. He said that he never thought that this person would turn down a fight. Um, personally, if I were Khabib, I probably would turn down that fight. That's a dangerous fight, and he's he deserves a title shot or an interim title shot as is. What do you make of those claims? Fallacies. I don't think uh, Nurmagomedov would ever turn down a fight with anybody. Uh, he's proven time and time again that he is arguably the best, uh, if not one one A uh, or even one B. And if you look, you want to consider Tony Ferguson and Conor McGregor, but Habib Nurmagomedov uh, isn't afraid of anybody and wouldn't turn a fight down with anyone. He'd fight Brock Lesnar tomorrow uh, if it made sense. I mean, this is a guy that's just fearless, uh, doesn't care, is in the prime of his career. Uh, and to think he would, you know, turn down a fight uh, with someone he obviously deems smaller than him and a champion in another division. Um, just look at the way Habib fights and the way he talks and just the way he, he he conducts himself sometimes. This guy's not afraid of anyone. I've personally seen it uh, in person uh, when I was in Bahrain. This guy is he's, he's funny. He's hilarious. 
but he calls a spade a spade. There's no real, um, you know, th- there is a gray area with him when it comes to being, you know, comedic uh, with some of the stuff that he does, his actions and his funny. He's just a funny guy. He's just, you know, he's always pulling off pranks. But when it comes to training, and he, he was dumbing everyone in that room. I, you know, I was kind of salivating at the fact that on one side you had Frankie Edgar, on the other side you had Habib Nurmagomedov, and you had Hensel Gracie sort of walking around, and there were some other you know, pretty damn good fighters in that room. And uh, Habib's not afraid of anyone. He wouldn't turn down that fight. There's no – there's I, I mean, 99.9% of my head, Sean, it's not going to – it didn't happen. Jose Aldo said, I've never turned down a fight ever. And Hawani said, what about that short-notice Conor McGregor fight? And he goes, oh, I didn't turn that down. My coach did. That's the same damn thing. It's the same damn thing. If you wanted to fight that bad, you would have fought. That's just... Yeah, fact. How many fights do you think that Conor McGregor's coach has turned down? I bet John Kavanaugh wasn't too keen on the idea of fighting Chad Mendez on, like, what, 10 days' notice? I'm sure he wasn't keen on a lot of things, but Conor McGregor said, "Uh, you know, I'll do this fight. Also, I don't know that the issue has ever been Jose Aldo turning down fights. It's been Jose Aldo not showing up to fights. I don't think there's been anybody who's pulled out of more fights since the the WEC-UFC merger than Jose Aldo. And that's saying something, Joe. I wonder if his representation... I wonder if they realize how bad this makes him look, or do they care? Do you think this helps him? Do you think this makes him more of a heel? More so, do you think that's a concerted effort on his part, or a conscious effort on his part, or do you think that he really thinks that he's building goodwill by saying these things? I'm going to go with B. Uh, I think he does think he's doing the right thing. Uh, I I don't know how calculated this is, actually. Um, And and to be honest with you, with his camp and, and his, his former management, it's not for I guess his current management. Um, they don't care. They they believe that you know when I say that he's operating or they're operating on a different frequency, uh, it's not the norm. It's not what um, I guess we would look at and say, okay, this makes sense or that makes sense. It's always stuff that comes out of left field, and you're like, what? Like, is there you know? Do we need to read between the lines here? What, what, it, it just in my opinion, it doesn't make sense, um, especially considering a guy who, you know, you could always make the argument is top three pound for pound in the sport, but there's always some sort of underlying drama uh, around uh, Jose Aldo until he actually steps into the cage. And then when he steps in the cage, the guy's pretty much masterful. So, you know, f- f- from our perspective, whether you're uh, someone in the media or just a fan in general, you just want to see the guy fight. Um, yeah, we love the news because we get to talk about stuff, but come on, man. Just, just get in there and fight. Figure it out and just go. For what it's worth, Ariel Hawani said that he did follow up in regards to the 208 show and the March show and the claims that Aldo made. And he said that uh, it's all adding up. Like it, it seems like he's being accurate about what he says. I just can't see if, if the UFC takes a featherweight champion and has him fight for the interim lightweight championship after that's the the real lightweight champion just vacated the featherweight championship and then they had an interim title fight holy crap 
Like it's it's almost like it's become a parody of of itself with the the interim title situation, Joe. Oh, hundred percent. Like I mean, if this was to actually happen, Max Holloway becomes the official featherweight champion, and then Jose Aldo would compete for the interim champ. And if he wins, uh, it sets up a fight with Conor McGregor. Okay, uh, and if he loses, what does that mean for Max Holloway? It's it's just why enough with these interim things if it's actually happening. If it's actually happening, I, I don't think it is happening. But uh, if it was to happen, it's it's. It's a dichotomy of distress in my mind. It's like, stop, stop. These interim title fights just got to stop. It's real weird. I don't like it. I don't, uh, we had an interesting situation on Saturday's UFC on Fox 22 show where Dominic Cruz and Cody Garbrand are chirping at each other. Did you see this, It was constant silence, and I think uh, most of it was, I think Garbrandt just losing his marbles, but yeah, I saw it. Garbrandt cursed, and Dominic Cruz just dominated him. Just dominated him. This is like, boy, between this, between Cruz and Garbrandt on the mic, and Chael Sonnen, Tito Ortiz, that's really about to kick into high gear here in a couple of weeks, we're going to see some really lopsided trash talk, because Dominic Cruz is one of the best of all time at trash talking. And he really developed that during his time off. He said that Garbrandt looked like Pee Wee Herman in his tie. And Garbrandt responds with, look at your tie. Mm. Yeah. I saw that. And, and as they were ending that interview or ending that segment, excuse me. Um, you're right. You know, Dominic did dominate that, uh, that trash talk scenario, that whole interview process. Uh, I, I don't think Cody came out looking good, not because he lost the battle of the trash talk, but just, um, the swearing and the F-bombing, there, there, there's a certain level of courtesy and professionalism, in my opinion, uh, when it comes to being live on the air, especially on a mainstream massive network like Fox. Uh, you got to be cordial. You got to understand your medium that you're speaking uh, onto and, and understand that, listen, we all swear uh, in life, uh, but there's a time and a place for it. Uh, you want to do it on a pay-per-view? It's fine, I guess, you know, but at the same time, can't be doing it on live television, network television. Uh, and it just made that whole interview look really, really bad. It's the dropping of the mic. And, and someone has to sit there at that button and constantly just, you know, press it, press it, press it, press it. I, when I used to do interviews uh, for the radio show, when I was over um, on Sports at 590, the fan, uh, whenever I had certain guests on, Sean, I would look at my producer. I'm like, when as soon as this guy comes on the air, you need to be ready and don't miss it. Uh, because they just don't understand that it's just something that you don't do. Uh, and this is more or less in a time when we were still trying to build the sport. I mean, the sport was built, but we're still trying to build it. And we don't want that mainstream person tuning in and executives uh, from the station looking and saying, ah, you know what, Joe, you and your damn fighters, you're all a bunch of buffoons and uh, you're a bunch of baboons. You've got no education. You all speak and uh, in, in certain, like, don't do it. And, and do it. The Diaz brothers, you know, they don't care, right? But thankfully, they're mainly on pay-per-view. Uh, but at the same time, I think Cody looks really, really bad, not just from losing that that diatribe, but, you know, you're, you're going to be the champion one day. You want people – because people will look at that and, and automatically label you. We're going to talk more about that card next week, guys. Uh, on next week's Wednesday show, we're going to be previewing UFC 207. I think well, – Joe, when do you go to Japan? Uh, I leave the 26th, so there's probably a lot of Canadians out there super pissed off Ooh. that I'm leaving on the 26th. It's not that it's the, the day after 
Christmas. It's actually a, another national holiday here. It's called Boxing Day. I'm not sure if you guys, uh, if you're aware of it, Sean. Boxing Day is an absolutely massive, massive yeah. uh, shopping day uh, for Canadians. Uh, and it's, it's you know, we have a tradition here. My wife gets up at like 5.30 a.m., uh, picks up uh, her mom, and they go out shopping. And it's me and the little guy. We get to hang out all day. Well, Joe's not here for this one. So she's Aww. pissed. Uh, but she knows I'm getting paid, so she's kind of happy with that. But yeah, I leave the 26th, uh, and I come back. Uh, I'll be doing New Year's uh, over the ocean or, or some of that. I'll be do- actually, I'll be doing New Year's in Japan, but I fly, uh, I think, at 1.30 uh, in the afternoon, and I land here at 1.30 in the afternoon on January 1st. So uh, I think every time zone that I travel over, it's going to stay at 1.30. But uh, other than that, oh, that cool. Wednesday podcast could be, uh, could be yeah, a bit well- of a dilemma. We'll, we'll go ahead and preview UFC 207 today after we talk some news, just in case. And uh, for the post-show, guys, me and Joe are going to try to figure things out. We will have a post-show immediately after UFC 207 regardless, but matching up the time and the internet connection with Joe may be an issue. But we will absolutely have a show right after UFC 207. Um, King Mo, Heath Herring. Rising. Yes, Heath sir. Herring? What the hell? Well, he's, he's uh, you know, during, during the last uh, Ryzen show, uh, it was brought up a lot um, that he wants to come back to action, that he wants to fight. Uh, and there was the potential of him coming into the Ryzen tournament, obviously getting a bye, uh, but coming in. And it was something uh, he was sort of like, he would look at me and we had together, Sean, we went out a lot and it was something that, that would keep coming up and only in front of me or in front of certain people, but he, he has the itch. Uh, to come back how hungry someone is to come back after being off that time there's a difference between being hungry and having something to fight for or be just having the itch to fight uh obviously he does have the itch to fight but yeah it, it's going to be interesting and i want to say one thing sean the 28th is the day uh, of our podcast i don't think that should be too much of a problem for me but again we will cross that bridge when i do get to japan because i really want to do that preview show for sure well, like I said, we're, we're going to preview it here just in case. Of course, we'll have more to talk about next week uh, either way. King Mo. Ryzen was put in a pickle. Vanderlei Silva, Shane Carr went out. Why was Shane Carr went out? I, I don't have the information yet. It's a weird scenario for me when it comes to some of the Ryzen stuff because some of the news gets out there before I even – hear about it yeah. and i'm the guy doing the play-by-play that's going to have to do research on some of this stuff here um the the, the party that does the uh i guess the pr releases um just you know we had a conversation i said you really need to put me on this list uh, i'm not going to sit there and hound uh, the executives at at uh, at ryzen to get me this information if it's going to you and you're getting it out there you need to put me on this list that way i'm not quote unquote blindsided uh in interviews when i'm live on the air somewhere and i'm told about certain things so i apologize to everyone out there we're just trying to work that out it, it probably came to me could have went to my spam uh, i'll check that after we're done here but uh yeah king you know king mo and then i i, I don't know what's going undefeated on with undefeated heavyweight mind you undefeated heavyweight king mo Yes, and the fact that it's an open weight, he can compete at whatever weight he chooses to compete at. So he's already calling out who he's going to be competing against in the finals. Uh, so that that's uh, he'll be, he thinks he's fighting Amir, who's a monster, by the way. Um, but yeah, uh, King Mo is King Mo, and I can't wait to get back down uh, and talk to King Mo because I haven't talked to him in uh, in a while. Uh, this was like strike force days, Sean. So I'm looking forward to seeing him in person and uh, having a chat with him. Keith Herring, 38 years old. Uh, 
hasn't fought in eight years, stopped fighting at 30, but he was one of the OGs. And when I say he was one of the OGs, he was fighting Evan Tanner in 1997, twice, mind you, back-to-back months, if I, if uh, my research was correct. So, I mean, this is a guy who was fighting at like 19 years old and gave it up when he was 30, maybe had a few too many miles on him, but hey, good. This is a good move from Ryzen. They, put a, they got a name in there, and color me surprised that Shane Carwin didn't show up for a fight. Color me surprised. I, I think you'd be pissed off about that. What is it? I figured you'd be pissed off at, yeah, at, at the whole Shane off. Carwin situation. He teases this for years, years. Oh, I'm ready to come back. Well, I'm ready to come back. I'm ready to come back. Oh, get me in there with Lesnar. Get me in. That's why you're not in there with Brock Lesnar, buddy. Because you probably, you're not going to show up. And if if the Brock Lesnar that showed up at UFC 200 would have gotten a hold of Shane Carwin, who can't be bothered to show up, oh, hot damn, that would have looked a hell of a lot different than one, UFC 116. Speaking of Brock Lesnar and that situation, Mark Hunt, a fight was announced with Alistair Overeem at UFC 209. Myself, along with a lot of other people, have been told, pump the brakes on that. Mark Hunt's agreed to that, but he's agreed to a lot of fights. He he told, I think it was MikeSwick.com, that he actually agreed to a fight with Anthony Rumble Johnson at one point. Uh, He agreed to Melbourne, Canada, Brooklyn, Overeem in March. But he agreed with the terms that if they fail a drug test, he gets their purse, and the UFC won't agree to that. You know, I'll say this. If I'm Mark Hunt, I don't – I this is a reasonable thing to ask for. Uh, maybe not their purse, but their, something matching their purse. This is the most reasonable of things that Mark Hunt has said during this whole really, really weird situation where he said – Show up, juice to the gills. I don't care. Then when, <laughs> then when Brock Lesnar tests positive for something that, in John Jones's case, turned out to be a dick pill, and you know I wouldn't doubt that in Lesnar's case. Although I'm not saying that it's out of the question that he took PEDs. Then Mark Hunt all of a sudden cares, and he says, "Get me out of the UFC." Well, if you don't want to fight somebody that's on PEDs, then I don't know where the hell you plan on fighting these days. Uh, the UFC is probably your best bet. But if he says, hey, if they test positive, you give me what they make in their purse. I think that's completely reasonable, Joe. A hundred percent reasonable, but despite the fact that it's extremely dangerous to be fighting someone jacked up on PEDs, especially a guy like Brock Lesnar. So I understand uh, the absolute frustration and the logic behind Mark Hunt's claim there. I mean, if if there's one way you want to start – penalizing guys and there's there's sometimes no better way than financially you get caught for peds you lose your whole purse and your opponent gets that purse and we're talking big money with some of these guys that are competing uh, at, the, at the upper echelon of these rankings so uh i think that's a great claim by mark hunt and it could be uh wouldn't that be fantastic if that was precedent you know setting uh it probably won't happen but wouldn't that be amazing okay yeah no problem we'll fight and the winner uh not only gets bragging rights for defeating you but if you get caught for peds whether i lose or not uh guess what son your whole paycheck is mine. Yeah, and I know the UFC won't run a situation where the other fighter gets paid nothing, but if they match that, I think that would be fine. But they, they probably won't do that either. Daniel Cormier expects to return to the spring. Uh, 
Much like when I said when he first announced, oh, end of February, early March. It wasn't going to be end of February, early March. It was never going to be end of February, early March. It was going to be spring, maybe early summer. Now he's actually admitting that. And not much was made about this, but this is really upsetting. Like maybe had he said this from the beginning, they could have set up that Musashi versus Rumble interim title fight. And that's an interim title fight, which I completely think should be made because one setback and what happens? This isn't Don. This isn't Conor McGregor taking time off. This is a guy who's been hurt and been hurt repeatedly and had several fights canceled. When do you think we see him back in the cage? I, I'm going to say late spring. I really think late spring. I think April, May. Uh, I mean, this is a guy whose body is not getting any younger. He's not a 22 year old or 25 year old or early. You know, a, a guy that he will heal quicker. He's got mileage on that body, not necessarily a lot of MMA mileage, but a whack of wrestling mileage on there. I mean, you could be an elite athlete in, in most sports. When you start getting into your 30s, your body can only take so much, man, and those injuries take much longer to heal. And we're talking about knee injuries or whatnot, uh, even hip injuries, back injuries. Uh, it, it takes a long time to heal if you're not getting surgery and then there's recuperation time, or recovery time. So... I don't think we're going to see Daniel Cormier back uh, for you know at least four to five months, guaranteed. Khabib Nurmagomedov has posted a thing on Twitter or Instagram, essentially uh, maybe saying that he passed up a fight with Aldo, but he's saying he wants to fight Tony Ferguson. He said, even if I beat Daniel Cormier, fans will tell me I have to fight Tony, so I want to fight Tony. Don't know what to make of all this. This is a wild situation. This is a really wild situation. Uh, so it may have actually happened then. Interesting. Okay. It may have actually happened. Yeah. And the thing is about Jose Aldo, it's like he said so much crazy shit, you don't know how much of it is real and how much of it isn't. So I don't think – I mean, I think we should kind of discuss one quick thing here. I don't think it's a case of, of Nurmagomedov slightly being afraid of Jose Aldo, he may no. have turned this down then for, stri- for for strategic reasons. Tony Ferguson is the other number one contender, I guess we could say, and that's the true uh, interim title fight, I guess, if you want to have one in the division because Conor McGregor is out, whereas Jose Aldo brings, quote-unquote, nothing, if you think about it, to the 155-pound picture, despite being a dominant pound-for-pound great fighter, uh, he fights at 145. So I think I think Nurmagomedov did turn that down. It's It's obviously for strategic reasons. UFC on Fox 22 drew some big ratings for the UFC. 3.178 million viewers on average. The main event reached 4.8 million, Joe. This is the best in three years. Um, It has been suggested, and and I agree, that if this fight had went past the first round, it probably would have cracked 5 million viewers. Now, there were a lot of people beforehand, and I've gotten a lot of (laughs) Had a lot of people in my mentions about this since. There were a lot of people who shit on this main event before it happened, Joe. I was saying, well, they weren't saying it would bomb in the ratings. Yeah, I got a lot of that too. I got a lot of people saying this will not do good in the ratings. It did do good in the ratings. Then I had a lot of people say, well, it was people wanted to see the guy who beat CM Punk and people wanted to see Uriah Faber's retirement fight. 4.8 million people didn't turn tune into either one of those fights, guys. 4.8 million people tuned in and watched Paige Van Zandt, Michelle Watterson. Um, couple that with the outstanding numbers that Holly Holm and Valentina Shevchenko did earlier this year. Like, 
Joe, when the podcast numbers came in on that post show, the Shevchenko home show, I thought it was an error. <laughs> they were so good. I'm serious. I was like, okay, our wrestling shows usually do a little bit better because MMA podcasting hasn't exploded yet. Uh, that show exploded. I'm seeing those numbers. I'm seeing the Van Zant Watterson ratings. Hey, this is good news for every. Hey, it's good news for me. It's good news for the two women fighting. It's good news for UFC. It's good news for Fox. You better believe it's real good news for the UFC who are about to start talking to other companies, other networks about running their programming. What do you think about this? Uh, do you, you know those sound effects that you have? Do you have a, a cue the broken record sound effect? Because again and again and again and again and again and again, we keep saying it, Sean. We keep talking about it. Some people don't. You need to freaking make some noise outside of the MMA bubble. And Paige Van Zandt, by going on Dancing with the Stars and becoming this household name, uh, or the MMA bubble, but outside the MMA bubble, uh, and is someone that was looked upon as, as favorable, uh, it's going to draw eyeballs. And when she competes, she competes in a main event, people are going to tune in. Uh, we tuned in because we have to. We also would have tuned in for Uriah Faber's goodbye fight because Uriah Faber is the man. Uh, Mickey Gall, we were paying attention very closely to Mickey Gall because he's, he's causing a disturbance in the force. Okay, But Paige Van Zandt has mass appeal. I don't want to hear that she's beautiful and that she's blonde and blah, blah, blah. It's the name Paige Van Zandt, and you couple all those intangibles together, and that equals eyeballs. Holly Holm did it because she defeated Ronda Rousey. She became a name. She then did the whole talk show circuits, whether it's late night TV or, or breakfast TV or what daytime TV, whatever it was, she went out there and capitalized on her brand. And I say this over and over again, and I'll keep saying it. Uh, not that it annoys me. It's just... If everybody would think about it uh, and would try and get out there, you can get local news coverage wherever you live, ladies and gentlemen. If you're in the in the Ultimate Fighting Championship, Bellator, doesn't matter where, you can get tons of coverage. You can make noise. Your stories can be picked up elsewhere. You start making noise outside of the MMA bubble, tune in. And what the other thing that'll tune in is your bank account because there'll be more zeros added at the end of certain numbers. So it's up to you to determine what you want to do as a fighter. Uh, you know, agents and managers, there's different ways of doing it. I know it's not an easy gig as an agent or manager to make money uh, on mixed martial arts clients until they get uh, much higher in their rankings and get a bigger name. But you want to get a bigger name, look at what Paige Van Zandt did. I mean, that's, let's be honest. How many people tuned in for Michelle Watterson? I don't think many other than her friends, family, and, and the MMA bubble. Uh, that was all Paige Van Zandt, in my opinion. I couldn't have said that any better. Speaking of... We have uh, the new UFC rankings came out. Michelle Watterson hopped up to number seven. Paige Van Zandt fell to number two. But what happened was, and, and I know we talk about these, it's a good talking point. It really is. Even though the rating, rankings mean jack shit, it's a good talking point. Uh, Uriah Faber, Misha Tate, removed from the rankings as they retired. This reshaped a lot of things. Leslie Smith in the top 15. Ronnie Yaya in the top 15. You saw a lot of people jump up. Uh, the most interesting thing, though, there are now women's featherweight rankings. And underneath it, it says, no rankings available for this selection. <laughs> I get the feeling it'll stay like that for like a long time. <laughs> Why even put it up there? Let's name some people who might show up in these rankings. Serena Williams, by default. <laughs> Have you ever seen the, her in person? The, 
Oh, she's probably well over 145. She's jacked, I would not, too. Ooh, yeah, man. She, I, I, she kicks you, son. You're going to feel that. Yeah. Um, 1999 Tara LaRosa. Maybe she's in it. Um, <laughs> okay. The Ghost of the Fabulous Moolah. Maybe she's in it. Um, let's see. Catherine Hepburn. You think she could make 145? She could eat some Twinkies. Her ghost could do it. Perhaps. Is Gina Caron on those rankings? Yeah. Is her name available to be slid in there? She still she still owes them a fight, I think. Uh, <laughs> they probably could. I mean, she's contracted, isn't she? Yeah. They put her on there. <laughs> give give the give the rankings give the rankings panel the option to put in Gina Carano just so Sean and I can be like. Well, I mean, they have Antonio Rogerio Noguera at light heavyweight, and he fights about as often as Gina Carano. So there you go. Either way, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. We got UFC 207 next week. We'll go ahead and talk about the show now. We have these two fights on Fight Pass: Tim Means, Alex Oliveira, Brandon Thatch, Nico Price. This is Brandon Thatch's last shot. He was a highly touted prospect, and now he hasn't won in three years. He lost to Ben Henderson, Gunnar Nelson, Bahadur Zada. This is a fight that the UFC is saying, here, keep your job. Keep your job, Brandon. I would. I never thought – see, man, I never thought that this conversation would ever come up with Brandon Thatch considering – uh, the potential he had before he got into the UFC, then when they finally signed him, uh, and then you see the first hiccup and you're like, oh, uh, I can't tell you how highly touted this guy was. This phone was getting texts uh, from a certain welterweight champion at the time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Boy, Brandon Thatch, my boy, Brand, you watch, really? you watch mark my words and then i was kind of like all right i'll take your word for it uh and i'm like hmm and i i watched his fights and i'm like this guy's gonna wreak havoc when he gets to the ufc uh and it like you said just untapped potential or just it's just not happening for brandon and i think you're right this is it this is the last chance you really need to make a a statement in this fight here you got a win keeps your job but you better do much more than win in my opinion this fight or this show is loaded with welterweight fights we got that alex Oliveira. Tim Means fight. Alex Oliveira has won five of six. Tim Means, uh, let's see, I think he's won six of seven uh, in the UFC. Now, keep in mind, Tim Means was fired from the UFC three years ago. Three years ago, um, after he competed at lightweight and couldn't get it done. He won a couple fights in Legacy, came back. He lost a short-notice fight against Neil Magny. That's going to happen. Neil Magny was on a hot streak. But since then... Tim Means has just shot up. Just He's amazing. And the fact that Tim Means is not in the welterweight top 15 is embarrassing. 
Matt Brown, who has lost five of six, is in these rankings. Jake Ellenberger broke his foot off in the cage, is in these rankings. Tim Means isn't in these rankings. What the hell is going on, and how do you see this Oliveira Means fight playing out? <laughs> I don't see it ending well for one of these two guys because it's going to get really ugly. These two guys are, are going to tee off on each other, and, and the dirty bird, when he gets upset or when he gets focused and when he starts uh, zeroing in on people, uh, they usually get hurt. I, I'd be cautious against uh, uh, Oliveira, but uh, he needs to keep that chin tucked and not get overly zealous or overly um, ambitious because he could get knocked out himself. But uh, this is going to be an absolute sick fight. This whole card is sick. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be uh, a fantastic fight. Hopefully, Sean, cross my fingers uh, with the time zone change and with uh, whatever internet I get down there, I'll be able to watch this event because I'll be super sad if I can't see it. Tarek Safadine, Dong Hyun Kim, this is a good fight. I like it. I like it. Uh, Safadine is another one of those guys coming over from Strikeforce as the champ and uh, coulda, shoulda, woulda injuries and, and, and bad results uh, have kind of caused a few hiccups in his career. But uh, this is going to be a nice little fun little scrap here. I think he's going to be able to pull it off, but he's got to be smart about it. I think it goes 15. We also have Neil Magny, Johnny Hendricks, another high-level welterweight fight. Uh, a lot of people seem to think if, Hend- if Hendricks loses, he's gone. Or done, retiring. Yeah. Am I allowed to talk about his profile picture? Yeah. Why? You're going to a photo shoot. You need to get a haircut. You need to brush your hair. You need to comb your hair. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Love the guy to death. His wife's fantastic. His daughters are so beautiful. Then you got Johnny. He just came out like you just keep like out of that big truck. But Neil Magny's situation. He's going to put some pressure on Johnny, man. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I know the the arguments that are out there that you know body composition has changed since Usada came into effect, um, and this can all go back to George St. Pierre versus. Johnny Hendricks and the whole Vada argument, and you know a lot, of, a lot of people seem to have swept that under the rug. But uh, ever since Usada came in, we've seen what's happened uh, to a lot of fighters. Um, and Hendricks, you know, he's he's gone from former champion to now prelims. The prelims, uh, he could be a big troublous fight. And if he loses, I could see that argument. That thanks for your run. The welterweight division has just. Man, it's changed in a hurry. Like, I mean, Stephen Thompson, Tyron Woodley, Damian Maya's just absolute domination. Donald Cerrone showing up, Neil Magny's run, Lorenz Larkin's run. This is um, uh, Masvidal showing up as well, Tim Means. This looks so much different than it did when GSP left. When GSP left, there was not a lot there anymore because he had dominated for so long. You come back now, there's a whole slew of fresh fights. So uh, interested to see how Magny Hendricks plays out. Somehow Hendricks Magny got put on the prelims, which I mean, I know they want to sell more pay-per-views. Luis Smoka, Ray Borg, that kicks off the the main show. Now, I mean, I make a lot of jokes about Ray Borg and how it sounds like (laughs) Cyborg and all that stuff. But these are both guys that are coming off of losses. In Smoka's case, an embarrassing loss. 
easily the most embarrassing of his career. Uh, his only other one was Chris Cariasso. This is a situation very much where I think the UFC would like one of these guys to get back on the horse. Yeah, I think you're bang on, and they're giving them the opportunity to do so at the very top or at the beginning of the pay-per-view card. We all know flyweights are super exciting, um, and I think this is, uh, you know, if, if this was a Sean ross basic matchmaking uh, conundrum, this is a gift uh, for Lou Smoker, in my opinion. Um, it, Ray Borg, it, it's, it's an, an anomaly when you think about it because the guy can fight, but it just seems that after a few minutes, he can't fight. Uh, or after he gets, you know, he finds himself in so much trouble that he can't get him. So uh, I like Borg as a fighter. I really do. But I think Smoke is going to, um, you know, we called it karma in his last fight. Called it karma uh, in his last fight. So, but uh, we'll see what this what, what happens here. But I think he does pull off the victory here. And I think uh, he does it by via finish. Two very young fighters there. Smoke is 25, Borg is 23. So they have a lot of time to learn. Then we get into the fun fights on this show. Damn, what a show. TJ Dillashaw, John Lineker. Now, (laughs) John Lineker is going to test TJ Dillashaw's chin. TJ Dillashaw is going to test John Lineker's footwork and his technique and his reaction time. Probably his wrestling and his cardio. But really, if you've got a hand like John Lineker, you still got to feel good going into any fight. Um, TJ Dillashaw has to win this fight if he wants another shot at Dominic Cruz. And if John Lineker wins this, he is next in line. He is absolutely next in line for that title shot, Joe. No ifs, ands, or buts. First of all, TJ Dillashaw or any former champion in a division, you can never lose again. Okay, If you want to get yep. that title shot again, you can't ever lose again because it's it's this weird sort of um, analysis where as a former champion, can you lost your title, um, you, you, you're, people still think, yeah, you know what, you're still 1A in the division even though you lost. But the minute you lose, you, it feels like, okay, you're done. You can never mm-hmm. fight again. You, every fight is your own title fight to remain relevant. Uh, and that's it. John Lineker is ready to go here. And, um, you know, I, I think Dwayne Ludwig will have Dillashaw more than ready for this fight here. But you've got to be careful with, uh, with Lineker. I mean, I, 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 we should have an over-under as to what minute John Lineker finally stops and says, come on, do you want to fight? Stop running, stop running, stop running. And we all know Dillashaw has that footwork and that style where he's in, out, in, out, and isn't really going to sit there and exchange. Uh, but, man, one shot landed by Lineker, things get super ugly. He's got, like, those those incredible Hulk hands when you think about it, right? Yes. He's got the weirdest sort of stance and fighting style. It's all power-based. Um, you know, <laughs> rarely does he set up his his punches. He just throws for the kill. So uh, this is one fight that I'm definitely looking forward to. I think the whole world is. Uh, but I think all the... Well, what do you think, Sean? We're, is all the pressure on TJ Dillashaw here or is all the pressure on yeah. John Lineker uh, because you need to win this and you're never getting that title shot? I think John Lineker can work his way back to a title shot. But as you said, the Dillashaw thing is really interesting because it, it's like this in pro wrestling too. Everybody loves the coronation. They love it when somebody wins that title and they get their moment and they're happy. But once they get that title, it can almost only go downhill from there once you lose it. Uh, like, it's hard to, it's not hard to find a, a wrestling example, but it's like that a lot. On the way up, everybody's like, this person deserves it, this person deserves it. On the way down, 
afterwards is like, well, we've seen that. We've been there. But TJ Dillashaw is still a fantastic fighter. He took Dominic Cruz to a split decision. Uh, time is a little, I'd say a little more on Dillashaw's side. They're close to the same age, but Dillashaw doesn't have those recurring knee injuries. John Lineker, he has been defeated before. He lost to Luis Godno. He lost to Bogatinov, which Bogatinov was on in that fight. Uh, but if we're being completely honest, but Lineker has shown he can beat John Dodson, Michael McDonald, uh, Rob Font, Francisco Rivera, Ian McCall. Uh, back in the day, he beat uh, Yurishitani, who a lot of people thought was among the best flyweights in the world at the time. I think he's got – and he's 26 years old. I think he can afford to lose this fight. I don't think Dillashaw can afford to lose it, Joe. Fair assessment. Just how I feel. Yep, fair assessment. Just how I feel about that, yeah. Fabricio Verdum, Cain Velasquez. We're going to test the cardio of Cain. <laughs> also, what we're right going to test is how Verdum looks against Cain in uh, – in a, a more stringent, we'll say, drug testing situation. All right, then. Yep. Nope, so we'll say, and, oh, and I am a fan of Verdum. I love watching Verdum fight. I do. Didn't like that Travis Brown fight. He should have won it immediately via TKO, but I, uh, Fabricio Verdum has a really good case of top heavyweight of all time. Like, he's up there in that discussion, and he gets overlooked so much. He's beaten Brown twice, Velazquez, Mark Hunt, uh, Noguera, Fedor, Bigfoot, uh, Gabe Gonzaga, back when Gabe Gonzaga was something, uh, Overeem. He, he beat Gabe Gonzaga before Gabe Gonzaga was something, too. So uh, uh, Alexander Emelianenko, back when people gave a shit about him, and, well, he Alexander Emelianenko may be up there with Joe Sun for all-time pieces of shit in MMA, but... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. Verdum is one of the greats, and he's facing a guy in Cain Velazquez who wants to become one of the greats. I, you know, I don't know if Cain Velazquez will ever be UFC heavyweight champion again. And unfortunately, the fact that he can't stay in the cage, I think, and he fights the same people all the damn time. He never fights anybody different. Over the last, let me look now, five years, the only people that uh, Cain Velasquez has fought is Fabricio Verdum, Junior Dos Santos, Bigfoot Silva, Travis Brown. That's five years. Five years. Actually, no, take that back, six years. Isn't that crazy? You fought four guys in six years. I think that keeps him out of that conversation, Joe, but I think he can get back into that conversation. Yeah, well, he's got to win. He's got to compete. Number one, you know, you know, yeah. it sucks that he's constantly injured. Uh, he'll compete, then get injured, be gone for you know eight months. Compete, get injured, gone for three or two years or two months or whatever it is. It's just he's never been able to to string it, string some consistency together uh, in the octagon. And the fact that you just mentioned he fought four guys over six years is not good for his quote unquote legacy. Uh, because your time in a sport is generally small. And considering, um, yeah, we understand there's not that, not much depth uh, at heavyweight, but um, he's just got to win. He's got, he's got this rematch, which is what he's always wanted. I mean, that that submission and that tap out to lose the title was was I, you know, eyebrow-raising at the time. Uh, and right away, people pegged it. 
to the whole, not the cardio, but the high altitude thing. And it probably makes a hundred percent sense, but now there's no excuse. Excuse. Now you got to win this fight. Um, you know, no, normally I'd be excited. Uh, well, for this he does have matchup. an, he, he does have an excuse already. Like, and, and I hate it, but he already said, well, I'm scheduled for my next surgery before this fight. Yeah. So you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's uh, it's very unfortunate. This is going to go down like this. Then you know it's so he's going to fight and then surgery and who knows how long he'll be gone for. I mean, it's going to it's I it's. I hate operating on hypotheticals. I hate it. And with Cain Velasquez, you're always operating on a hypothetical. Well, what if he was at a different elevation? Fabricio Verdum fought at the same damn elevation. Like Fabricio Verdum wasn't like at the bottom of a mountain throwing stones up at. Velasquez, when they fought, they fought at the same elevation. I don't know. And uh, hey, you know what? Cain Velasquez can absolutely win this fight, but I just hate operating on hypotheticals like we always have to do with Cain Velasquez. It's 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 exhausting, Joe. Yeah. Well, what's exhausting for me sometimes with Fabrizio Verdum is he goes on these on the weirdest runs ever. Like he goes on this fantastic run where he looks so dominant and so amazing, and then he just has a weird fight thrown in the mix there. Like that Travis Brown fight was just a weird fight. Like, why weren't you going in there for that finish so much, like much more like, okay. You know, and then he goes, he has, uh, he has that altercation with your boy afterwards. And I thought, uh, Oh boy, Sean's going to love this. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, God bless you for beat you for doom. Dominic <laughs> Cruz party, Cody Garbrandt. I look at this fight as more skilled TJ Dillashaw against less skilled John Lineker. And this conversation just ended. Let's just go to the main event. <laughs> so, well, I know one thing. Uh, John Lineker probably talks better trash in English than Cody Garbrandt does. That's for sure. You think Cruz is in Garbrandt's head? 100%. No ifs, ands, or buts. And, and you know, if there was – I don't think people realize how nice of a guy – Cody actually is genuine. Uh, you know, he's, he's got this more than a soft heart. Like I remember when I was at ultimate fitness or, or Uriah's gym, um, fought, uh, I think it was Joe Soto, uh, that whole head and brow disaster thing. And we did all so much filming there. As soon as we walked in the door, it was Cody that stood next to me and just chatted. I had no idea who he was. I was asking, who's this guy? stood there and talked to me uh, while my, my team basically set up the lights and blah, 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 and waited for Dwayne to show up and Uriah to show up and uh, Chad to show up. And he just, I'm like, this is the nicest guy ever. And I'm staring at all those tats and I'm like, this guy's just a cool dude, just really, really nice. And, and talking to conversations with him about competing and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wow, what a, what a you know, salt of the earth, super, super nice guy. I'm like, how are you going to survive in mixed martial arts when things start getting crazy and start getting ugly? And uh, to be honest, if, if, if we do the math, he has been thrust into this title fight because it all started the Cruz calling him out. It wasn't like he called out Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz called him out. And as a fighter, no one likes to really get called out. It's insulting. So it starts from there. And then all this happens on te- – I mean, we could fast forward to everything happening uh, last Saturday on television – uh, you know, quote unquote, losing that trash talk battle. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm pretty sure Cody's strong enough to realize when it comes to fight time, 
You have to eliminate all that stuff there and fight those mental demons that can easily affect you in a fight. Uh, as long as it doesn't affect his, his training, it doesn't affect his weight cut, uh, and doesn't affect him on fight night, you're able to block it and, or, or channel it in terms of actual matchup. Uh, I think it's, it's just too early uh, to A, to be fighting for a title, but B, the matchup just favors Dominic Cruz big time. It's worth noting earlier, um, Brandon Thatch was originally scheduled to face your boy, Saber Hamasi. Unfortunately, he had to pull. So I don't think that was a, that was a gimme fight for uh, Thatch, but I think Nico Price, maybe a little bit more. Uh, the thing about Cruz's trash talk, Joe, is not only does he tell you that you suck, but he breaks it down psychologically and and. He's such an analyst that he will tell you exactly why you suck, how to improve the fact that you suck, and if you don't listen to him, you're going to suck even more. And boy, does that mess with you. When not only do you learn how bad you are at MMA, but you're, you're – it's just – he's had a lot of time to sit around and think about this. I'll just say that, Joe. But he's always been good, Sean, and I'll tell you why oh, yeah. he's always been good. Because when we did the preview shows for every uh, uh, every UFC event – in Toronto, whether it was at the Rogers Center and or the um, the Air Canada Center, Cruz was brought in by the UFC because he had he would fight afterwards uh, a few months down the road. <coughs> Excuse me, and he was brought on uh, as a guest and or an analyst in, in one of the um, uh, one of the segments on the show. And there were times where he would be we'd be breaking down fights or what do you think of this or what do you think of that or like I'd look at my producer and I was like, guys like smart he, this guy's good yeah uh can he work on something like that i could tell you this uh i'm gonna say yes and and maybe because he's witty he was witty with me after the show and, and you know i got to the point where i'm like i'm just gonna keep my mouth shut because this guy's beating me uh at pretty much every one-liner uh that we've had i haven't had anything where I've stopped him, and he's like, all right, all right, you got me, you got me. This guy is good, but when you have time off, you got nothing to do. And then you're looking at Conor McGregor, and you just get, you know, he's he's a witty guy. I can tell you this, Dominic Cruz is a witty guy, so uh, I wasn't surprised he did what he did um, to Cody Garbrandt. But the one thing I like about what you said is not only will he insult you, <laughs> just psychologically, analytically break it down, and you, and there's nothing you could really do. We have this main event, Amanda Nunez. If you believe it is in this fight, uh, judging by the promotional for the event, you would have no idea that she was in this fight unless you actually Wikipedia'd it. She's taking on Ronda Rousey. First time Ronda Rousey will have fought in 13 months. Ronda Rousey did not get rid of her terrible coach. In fact, her terrible coach is featured in more promotional material than the actual champion. That is a bad sign for me. But here's the thing. This has to see how Ronda Rousey was beaten. She has to see it. She has to know. Now, the good thing about Amanda Nunes is she starts really, really strong. She started strong against Durandamy, against Baszler, against McMahon, against Tate, against uh, Sheila Gaff, against uh, who, uh, Julia Budd back in the day. And when she doesn't start strong, in fact, any time the fight goes after goes past two rounds outside of the Shevchenko fight, 
she doesn't do too hot, at least in the last five or six years. Uh, Alexis Davis, Kat Zingano, Sarah Delia. Uh, how the, uh, I'm not going to get tongue-tied there. Delilio. Either way, it usually doesn't bode too well. Ronda Rousey didn't after this, the first round last time, but I think she understands that and will pace herself a little bit different. I would like to think that she is a smart enough fighter. I would like to think that Ronda Rousey's ego is big enough to know that she cannot fight the way that she did last time. Because I, I, I think e- – go ahead, sorry. No, no, you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Sorry, finish off your point. I think ego is a big factor in that. She doesn't want to get embarrassed again. She got embarrassed to the point to where she she didn't contemplate suicide. Suicide ran through her head backstage. She was embarrassed. Joe, what do you make of this entire situation? How do you think the fight will play out? Can't wait to hear your, your breakdown here. Um, I'm going to save my, my full breakdown until I can actually – rewatch a few things on both fighters so I can really analyze in terms of the matchup, the styles and what potentially can happen. I know paper never fights paper. Uh, surprised if Nunes pulls this off at all. Uh, and I won't be surprised if, if you know, the reincarnation of, of the poster child for women's mixed martial arts has gold wrapped around her waist and Ronda Rousey. I, I won't be surprised, but uh, ego is huge. And you, if you don't check it, uh, at the octagon door, you, you're basically going to replicate history, in my opinion. Um, dangerous fighter, and you could be aggressive. You could start off fast, but you always have to maintain range. And and what we've always said, anyone that knows mixed martial arts as as a media member or as an analyst who's trained mixed martial arts long enough to understand strategy and understand to mixed martial arts other than striking, other than grappling, other than the clinch, other than wrestling. It's the amalgamation of the arts that can have you defeat any other opponent. A lot of it is mental uh, as well. So really aggressive could play in to Ronda's favor. If Amanda gets overzealous and gets into a clinch game with her, uh, she's going to get tossed. And if she's going to get tossed and she gets on, on, on Ronda Rousey gets on top of her, it could be ugly. Nunez's jiu-jitsu skills. We don't know, okay? If she sticks and moves with someone like Ronda Rousey, who I firmly believe her striking isn't as good as what we are shown or people, mainstream people, are led to believe, and I know the gift could probably come up at any one point in time when, she, when you know, the, the rolling of the of the jab or the rolling of the, of the, I don't know if it was a cross or a hook, whatever that was. So it's something that, that you know, and I'm going back to when, 2014, uh, maybe 2013, and I've always stated the person that's going to beat Ronda Rousey is the one that's smart enough to stay away from her in the clinch, stick and move, uh, be able to defend the clinch, to be able to get back up if they can, but to stick and move, be aware of where you are in the cage, and just punish Ronda Rousey standing up bit by bit, think of the axe, cutting down the big tree, keep going, keep going, don't look for any sort of finish unless it truly presents itself. Holly Holm did that from her. Uh, uh, I know you've got your analysis, Sean, in terms of the clinch game and why Holly Holm did what she did. Uh, but the Nunes, she could definitely defeat Ronda Rousey. In my opinion, for Ronda Rousey, just get in there, clinch. You know, you may have to eat a couple of shots, but get in there, clinch, dominate, control this fight. You're going to have, you know, a, likely a submission or something damage caused uh, that'll get you that title back around your waist. I don't get, like, I mean, it's so funny that 
somebody could have such a like the clinch game is just out of the question for a Ronda Rousey opponent. You don't do it. So if you're Ronda Rousey, what I would do is work at range, learn how to fight at range, help negate that as well. They're not getting in clinch with you. The one person that I found, and this may have changed in the home fight. I can't really remember. Before that, the only person who was able to get into clinch range, clinch with Ronda Rousey and get out of their own volition was Olympic silver medalist Sarah McMahon. And what happened to her about 20 seconds later? She was clinched, kneed, and dropped face first to the ground. That is such a big factor. Like, that's why I've always said, if Cyborg fights like she did in the Leslie Smith fight, she would beat Ronda Rousey. If she fights like she does in a lot of her other fights, where up against the cage, clinched up, that's bad news bears. Uh, I think the same thing for Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes could come in and just knock the hell out of Ronda Rousey with a couple of shots early on at range, set that tone because we've seen how, and Ronda Rousey has a pretty damn good chin too. Some of those shots she took from Holly Holm. Also, Ronda Rousey, while she does not have the best of technique, she does have knockout power. She has legitimate knockout power in her hands. And hey, Dominic Cruz, if he applied himself to be the most technical fighter, he probably could be. But you will see Dominic Cruz a lot of times abandon technique as a technique. Like, he'll throw wild punches because he knows they're going to land. Ronda Rousey doesn't do that. She throws wild punches because her coaching isn't any better. (laughs) There are so many intangibles in this fight, Joe. There are just so many intangibles. There's so much to attack so much to uh, unwrap here. And guys, what I want you all to unwrap is skills.com slash fight. This episode is brought to you by Skills, the worldwide leader in mobile esports. Play the games you love and win real cash prizes. Go to skills.com slash fight on your iOS or Android device. I personally like the, the pool games, the bowling games. Played the solitaire game, won a little bit of money yesterday. Uh, every skills game is free to play, but what's really cool is that you also have the option of competing for cash prizes. You can win money playing games on your phone. You can win up to $100 in a single tournament with entry fees as low as a penny. As low as a penny or one-tenth of a penny if you're in Canada. Skills offers a variety of games for iOS and Android devices, <laughs> including puzzles, bubble popping, bowling, pool, solitaire, trivia, and more. In addition to tournament, you can also compete with other players head-to-head. And what Skills does is they separate you based on skill level. Like if Joe were to show up and play Skills, he would not be on my level. That's needless to say. He's Canadian. Money ain't worth anything. He'd be on a much lower level than me, personally. Uh, So that's fair. That's fair. I'd be playing other players that are as good as me. Joe will be playing other players who are as terrible as him. You try it for free, and when you make your first deposit, skills will double it. But not only that, me and Showdown Joe, because we love you so much, and because Joe's tired of just giving me his money at Draft Beast, we'll give you an extra $10 bonus cash on top of that. When you use the code FIGHT, skills.com slash FIGHT, use that promo code FIGHT. Joe, I have sufficiently buried you. No, no, no. It, 
bury me would be if I actually took offense to anything that you said. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's just it just rolls off my shoulder. Uh, I've heard every possible Canadian joke one could imagine from my American brethren, so it doesn't really affect me. I've heard the Canadian dollar jokes a thousand times, and you know, is it is what it is. It doesn't bother me one bit. Uh, although I may have to accept the challenge, um, and it, it won't be a situation where I would come on here and brag uh, that I would absolutely slaughter you at Skills.com. I would just keep it between you and I because I could always look into the camera and I can look into your eyes and realize you got smashed by a Canadian. That's a lot worse from your end than it is at my end. Little did I know all those years of playing solitaire on my – I had a computer in the 90s and it wasn't connected to the internet. So it was a solitaire machine. That's all it was. It was a giant solitaire machine. It pays off. Skills.com slash fight. Hey, guys. Thumbs us up on YouTube, subscribe, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, Check out our podcast earlier this week, post-Raw, post-Smackdown, post-UFC on Fox 22. Uh, Anna Bowert's most ridiculous segment out for the week. Check that out as well. All kinds of fun stuff at Fightful.com. Come hang out in our live viewing parties. Every UFC event, we have live coverage and discussion at Fightful.com. We've got some cool changes coming as well. I can't wait for that in the new year. Uh, visit Fightful.com, all your MMA, boxing, wrestling news. Follow us on Twitter, at Fightful Online, Facebook, at Fightful Online. Joe, where can they find you? All social media, at Showdown Joe, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Hit me up uh, whenever you guys like, especially with some of the uh, the, the fun bets, that, uh, columns that I like to write. Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback in terms of um, agree, disagree. You have your own. Uh, and of course, any questions uh, that you want Sean and I to tackle on some of the podcasts, I'm always up uh, to reading them and or replying to them online or A, we can save it for the show and I'll bring it up with Sean to get his opinion as well because we don't always agree on a lot of things. But uh, uh-huh. I love the interaction um, you know, with the fan base because there's a lot of smart cookies out there. There's a lot of dumbos out there, Sean. There, there are. There are a lot of real idiots out there. Real idiots who still watch A Christmas Story. Do you watch that trash? Uh, no, I don't. Thank God. What's your favorite Christmas movie? <laughs> Elf. I just love Elf. Elf? That's, that's, fair. that's a fair one. I'm a fan of Die Hard and Home Alone 1. Yeah, yeah, true. Okay, yeah. I saw an ornament of... Uh, of um, Wasn't Willis. that great? That was the awesome. The Bruce Willis one, where he's crawling yeah. through the ducts. Yeah, oh, I can't... My wife said no, so I lost that battle. Before we go, Joe, do you realize this is a holiday here in Kentucky? Uh, first day of winter? No, hell no. That was last month. <laughs> University of Kentucky versus University of Louisville basketball. Oh, nice. Louisville's going to get stomped. Guys, we are out. <laughs>